Welcome to Thrivecast. This is where we meet with uh, leaders in the PLG and growth and monetization space. With me today, we have Robin Goro. Robin, I love your last name. It sounds very similar to my first name. Uh, I keep saying it like so many times. I've practiced it, uh, but I still mess it up. Goro. Am I saying it right now? Govo. Close enough once again. Close enough. <laughs> so Robin is a product manager and a founder at Together. Uh, and they are based out in France. Uh, Robin's been doing PLG for quite some time. So we had a very, very interesting previous conversation. This is essentially a recording of some of the conversations that we've had previously as well. Robin, do you want to take a quick moment to introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'm Robin, I'm 31 years old, um, and I've been basically in the product industry for the last, last five to six years. Um, I'm initially trained in HR and I've been uh, doing product in HR softwares, uh, real estate software, marketing softwares, which is now what I'm doing. I'm still in the marketing in industry with Together, which is basically a center for brands um, and a bit more, but we'll discuss that later, I guess. Yeah, I love that branding together, which is Tinder for brands, you know, that that gets stuck in my head. Uh, yeah. So Robin, your journey has been amazing. Your very recent startup, almost a year and a half. Would that be right to say? Yeah, absolutely. The I guess the, the company statuses were kind of created a year ago. Um, but the product launch per se has been done in the last six months. Uh, congratulations. Um, and, uh, you know, um, uh, I went to your website some time back and I was very interested to see, you know, there's a sign up button, although there was a lot more French on the website. Uh, so I had to go translate that, uh, but could you, uh, you know, for our, our audience, could you walk, walk the team on what the product does, uh, and why did you decide to go build it from a self-serve standpoint? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so basically what the product does is, um, it enables online brands to, um, partner between, between brands, <laughs> um, to get like a, a different acquisition channels, uh, channel that what they would, uh, usually do with Facebook ads or Google ads or stuff like that. So we intend on taking the practice of doing partnerships with, which is like a a common practice in the, in the industry and actually kind of, uh, doing it, uh, our own way, uh, and more efficiently as well. So that, that, that's our take on the, on the matter. Partnership can be like a, a very good acquisition channel. <clears throat> um, and the idea is to do it, uh, using like a Tinder for brands, uh, just, just like you said, uh, and yeah, brands basically match through a Tinder and then are taken onto uh, like a, a partnership builder, uh, in which the, the software takes on the, the, the lead and, uh, hopefully, uh, bootstrap all the partnership strategy. So uh, Robin, you're, um, you're using the classic playbook, you know, of product led growth, you know, for you. Yep brands, you're acquiring brands, you're showcasing them uh, the value right within the product, right? Um, 
you are allowing them to collaborate with each other, which makes it a lot more viral uh, from the very get-go. Uh, it's a very interesting concept that you're, you're building there. Could you maybe describe how does your GTM look like? Maybe if you could walk us through on, uh, of course, you know, you're, you're trying to be a global company, although you might be starting off your journey from Europe. Uh, but how do you plan to go, you know, scale your GTM over a period of time? Uh, yeah, that's actually a very good question. Um, we are always kind of um, find, trying to find the balance between growth and uh, and proper go-to-market strategy. Um, so far, we've been like prioritizing France as a market because that's obviously our main language and the market we are the most familiar with. Uh, that's also the market in which we have... Um, a network, friends, family, uh, and we are able to easily bootstrap uh, the product within this market, as well as get a lot of feedback from users and brands. So, so far, our strategy has been to like create kind of a community of very engaged users um, that give us like very valuable insights on their business, on their problems on the on a daily basis. So at the moment, this is uh, this is our strategy, and this is basically what we've been fine tuning over the, the the first few months of the product. Now that we have gained this maturity, uh, we have like several uh, other strategies which are obviously expanding internationally, um, and trying to get the the machine running, uh, meaning. What we are trying to achieve here is like a network effect. Uh, so we, we need to, to, to create growth within the product and growth does, doesn't happen itself. So that's that first layer of very engaged users is today one of our growth channels and one of the biggest growth channels for our product because their activity, their referrals, um, and the, basically what, what they can say to their friends uh, who have also uh, brands online um, is what today drives the growth in the product. So um, if I understand correctly, what you're saying is a brand, you know, let's take maybe example, uh, Cartier or some other brand in, in France, uh, some brand manager, marketing manager, from that particular brand signs up to your product, yep. uh, they will notice other brands and that's what you're calling as the network effect, right? So they, you, now you're able to go match Cartier with other brands that, that they can partner, they can build content together, they can collaborate you know, together. Uh, and so you essentially become a matchmaker for brand one, which is Cartier with other brands. And if, if, uh, if some brands don't exist in, in, your, in your network, Will will Cartier or any other such brand be able to invite other brands to to your product? Yeah, you're actually like uh, asking a very good question. But yeah, the way we've built our tool is basically um, together is uh, is yeah to, together as as um, as a as a company as also like. Uh, 
scraped a lot of data uh, from the internet. So a lot of mm -hmm. public data on, on br online, brand, online brands, on uh, e-merchants is actually already there. So what we did is like made a very comprehensive database of online brands. And then we, um, we kind of prioritized um, our users. Well, our, um, we prioritized, yeah, this database with several layers of quality uh, because there were brands for which we had like very comprehensive data, brands for which we didn't. And what we esteemed was qualitative, we put on the app. Um, and as it's public data, we're not disclosing anything confidential. But basically, mm -hmm. we use this to, boot, to bootstrap our app and uh, to give like a first base um, of, uh, of brands our users could interact with. And then what we are trying to do with this is like have a growth mechanism because once a brand has already um, gotten some interactions, has been liked by several other brands, we as together can come to and say to this brand, you're very sexy. <laughs> Many other brands want to work with you. Um, it's, it's free. Uh, because we operate on a freemium basis um, and we can put you, put you in contact with uh, these brands that have like an average community of uh, X million followers or stuff like that. Um, and we emphasize the, the value we could, we could provide uh, to, to, the, to the brands that are, that are not yet onboarded on together. And that way we, we get the machine, the machine running basically because uh, users create users and and then then create users so how how does the first user you know come into play meaning let's say uh <clears throat> you know if i understand correctly you have scraped the internet let's say you now have carthier's brand within your product with all the public information but the brand hmm. manager of carthier the marketing manager of carthier is not right he's not yet a user within the system so how do you acquire that user how do you acquire the first brand manager from Cartier, even though they are part and parcel of your, uh, you know, your product database, right? They yeah. are not yet a user. So how do you bring them to your, to your platform? Um, we have several channels, uh, between those channels, we have like classic LinkedIn growth hacking stuff, uh, uh, that we, that we use, uh, sometimes it, for, for a big brand like Cartier, it, it would be even direct approach, uh, some of some of our guys that together would go there and and tell, hey, Christopher from Cartier, <laughs> we we want we want to have you on together. Um, so it it would depend on the the value the brand has to us and on the interest that has been manifested towards the brand as well. Um, so yeah, this could be like direct approach. This this could be growth hacking stuff uh, using LinkedIn automations. Um, mm -hmm. This could be scrape data once again, because sometimes we already have the email address of the guy. Mm -hmm. um, and if, if we have in, in such cases, we have like a, a very uh, precise growth funnel uh, in which we, we would be saying what, what I just sold earlier, uh, uh, what, what I just told earlier, sorry. Uh, which is 
many many people are interested in in working with you this is what you could learn from it uh, mm -hmm. are you interested and then we would have like two other emails that would uh once again dig in, into the value we could provide so the your user acquisition is mostly email marketing would that be right to say at this moment yeah sometimes direct direct uh, messaging through linkedin uh, and sometimes um yeah linkedin automations but yeah most most of what we have automated would be well the, the biggest channel would be uh, email marketing definitely okay. So what happens after they receive that email? Let's say you you have a link of your yeah. product within that email. They click on it. Uh, could you describe the experience that they will have? I mean, right now they are not yet registered in your system. You have to authenticate it. You have to know which brand they are on. So walk us through how does a self-serve you know, acquisition activation process work within your system? Yeah. Well, the, the obvious first answer is that it has to be very quick. The time between mm -hmm. uh, you telling the user what he could earn from being on your platform and him actually seeing the added value you could provide has been has, has to be very short. Um, so yeah, at first we, we would provide in the growth email, we will provide a link to onboard basically on the platform and and then we, we will like, um, have a very quick onboarding tool uh, in which the user would verify his domain from uh, um, from his addressing from, from his email address and website. Mm -hmm. Then we would link the company and the user. Um, then we will uh, provide him with his company's profile with all the data we previously gathered, and most of the time the user has to basically check that the data is correct. And sometimes input some uh, some other information, but in most cases we would have like most of the data, and then we would only like create the link between the user and and the company, and the user would see the platform. And uh, what's very imp important is it's that on our growth funnel we mentioned that X Y Z companies uh, have liked the company and um and this is actually the first thing that the user would see as well on his on the right part of his screen he would see all of the, the list of all the companies that had uh, had previous interaction with the company and um that way our the way we talk to our user is very much aligned with the experience he has on the platform yeah, so maybe, you know, uh, maybe Robin, we can have uh, some of your screenshots of your product and uh, maybe the act yes, activation, yeah. uh, activation, the show notes as well. So for the users to be able to go correlate to that. Uh, so uh, you mentioned a very interesting thing. All the all your brands are already there in your system. The user comes in and uh, either they themselves match to the product or the brand that they have or your, does your system match them? You know, who who does the matching? Who does the sorry? How does the that, brand manager of Cartier know that they have to be associated with Cartier? Is that your system doing it, or are they doing it by themselves? Um, what the system does is basically provide with a, the user the user with a, a personalized a personalized uh, matchmaker feed. Okay. So 
every like, every uh, every interaction a brand would have with another brand would be from a manual human action. Hmm. Uh, so we're not the ones deciding um, if your brand can can match another one or if it's very relevant. We we have like insights on how it could be interesting, and that's why we suggest stuff. Uh, but the the liking in itself will always always be a human action so that that's mm. why it was very critical at, in the early days to to get like a, some kind of critical mass of users because they are the, the ones that provide value actually the, and the, and what's very important in our growth ac acquisition flow is that we are not lying on uh on anyone liking your brand it's it's a real human that did it. So that's why it's quite easy to, to, to make some acquisition. It's because the value mm -hmm. we've, uh, we've told our, our future user, our prospect um, in the gross acquisition emails is basically created by real users. And, and it's very transparent and, and uh, yeah, that, that's very like the, the value is already there. So, so it's kind of a, an easy shot. Yeah. Makes sense. So are you planning to have like a left swipe or a right swipe sometime later within yeah. your product? Yeah. yeah, you already yeah. Have we, we already do. Yeah. Yeah. It's Super. exactly the same matchmaker as Tinder. <laughs> That's a good way to think about it. So now that you're collecting so much of data about the user's likes, you know, and the brand matchmaking, you know, and so and so forth, uh, how do you, first of all, uh, how do you collect this information? Uh, do you collect and store that into, you know, on a UI based, uh, you know, some kind of, um, you know, uh, product analytics store like Bigspanel or or something else? What 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 mechanisms do you have in place to collect? store and analyze this information? Um, I'd say we, we mostly have two. Um, we have Mixpanel to basically analyze the, the flows, the usage flows um, to, to see what actions followed uh, another actions and stuff like that. And we have like a, a proper BI tool, which is Looker by, by Google, which is in the Google suite. Um, and from Luca, Luca, we are able to to make a lot of uh, SQL reports mm -hmm. um, and data visualization. Yeah, so so basically, Luca would be like the perfect solution to analyze um, stock data, so the history of matches, uh, who matched with whom. Uh, that that part would be Luca and product conversion, product APIs would be mixed panel. Got it. And uh, do you do any enrichment? Let's say this user, I'm just throwing out a specific scenario. Let's say the brand manager of Cartier, you know, the, the brand that we were just recently talking about, has a Gmail address, right? You don't have his, uh, you know, uh, at cartier.com address. So in such a scenario, if he's joining in, if he's logging in, do you automatically enrich that he, you know, this is so-and-so, this is the title, you know, of the brand manager, this is from marketing department, 
do you run any automation by itself or is that the user has to go fill that information? Um, no, we wouldn't reach much, most data, but what, what's interesting in, in your example is that we, we have like several security layers uh, be, before uh, signing up because if someone was to, to ask the permission to, to get Cartier's page with a Gmail address, we would block him. Um, and then we have like a whole mechanism of shadow banning people so that they mm -hmm. don't know that they are banned or, or that they will be unblocked. So we, we have like a whole caching mechanism. If, uh, for example, the real brand manager of Cartier were to log with the, his uh, Gmail address and, and was to, um, to, yeah, to, to use the matchmaker and make, make a lot of actions, we would store it, uh, in the, in our server basically but wait on the actual um, identity confirmation before allowing this data to go in the app um let me we'll, we'll go to the next uh, section so you know um, i'm going through this particular user journey they have you have acquired them you have activated them you've already you know finding out their engagement you have product analytics like mix panel looker you know, various things around it. Uh, how do you plan to monetize these users? Uh, do you already, you know, maybe let me ask this into two parts question. Um, when the users are coming in for the first time, do you automatically put them into some kind of a free plan or premium or free trial or reverse trial of sorts and then allow them to upgrade it? What, what are your thoughts about how do you monetize them? Uh, it's actually a, a very, very recent subject for us uh, because basically as long as we were um, growing and reaching that critical mass of users, we, we did not want to monetize because we did not want to, to initiate any blocking points within the product. Um, and that's also the way we, we basically um, reached uh, the monetization subject. We don't want monetization to be uh, a hindrance of value creation on the platform, which is very complicated to do because we do have to make money. Um, so at the moment, the, 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 what we are testing in terms of monetization is obviously freemium because we, we cannot, uh, we cannot like have a fully paid, uh, solution. Um, but yeah, with a reverse trial, our goal is, uh, well, our goal is obviously to to make the user see that the product is actually very good and that he cannot do without the the, the monetization um but we also want to keep a large scope uh freemium um especially the matchmaker which uh, which uh, is the entry point in terms of value creation within our platform so the matchmaker we will always be free on our platform we already know that because if if um, if freemium users don't don't do, don't use the matchmaker, um, we won't have like any any yeah any, any contacts between between brands. So so yeah, that's that's the way we are we are tackling the subject now. So freemium with a reverse trial, um, and we are envisioning also like an agency plan because uh, especially in France, there are several very specialized marketing agencies that manage 
a lot of online brands. Um, hmm. So that's also a persona of users we we tend to have. Um, we did not plan it in any in any way, but uh, but we've seen it happen. So uh, there's definitely like a market for it as well. Yeah, so essentially you will have a partner pricing. Agencies would be like a partner, right? And yeah, they absolutely. can they can pay for. Uh, and manage multiple brands. I think that's wonderful. Uh, why reverse trial? You know, uh, you mentioned reverse trial as part of this thing. So it's pretty complicated. Why did you go choose that? It's not that complicated to put in motion. Um, but our goal with reverse trial is to, within the first month, is that our user goes to goes through all the phases that he, he, he can mm -hmm. he can go uh, on the platform, meaning meeting his first partner, well, matching his, his first partner, discussing with, with his first partner, then uh, building a partnership with the help of AI, which mm -hmm. is a big thing in our paid plan. Mm -hmm. um, and we want him to go through all of this within his first month mm -hmm. and then uh, we want him to feel the <laughs> basically the the that something is missing if it doesn't have uh, these features Be because basically the, the the feature we've put in the paid scope uh, scope are personalization features ai generation features um and and stuff that is not um mandatory to 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 use together but Stuff that definitely like will make you save time. So um, in, in that case, you would have, um, you know, you have paid plan features, right? So you've listed out these features and then you have a freemium plan features. And yeah. as, uh, at the time of the acquisition, you give all of them to the end user, I'm guessing. Right? Absolutely. And maybe, maybe in the 30 days uh, trial period, you're giving the experience of both of these feature sets together. And if they don't upgrade by that time, you are only taking out the the paid plan premium features and just giving them a freemium, which is the base, yes. you know, which is the base plan. Yeah, uh, how did absolutely. you go manage that? Uh, did you did you create a list of feature catalogs and and create hey, these are the pricing plans and then associated to the pricing plan, these are the features. Give them access to that. That's you know that's. That'll take some work, right, on your side. Funnily enough, it didn't because uh, the way we did products and I mean product delivery and feature delivery was always under feature flags. So ah, okay, there you go. as we were doing feature flagging and and we do have a tool to to do some feature flag flagging. Um, as as we already have this infrastructure, uh, this was easy to to basically like cut down the product into into pieces because we already did it so, so uh, yeah. is it a premium product uh, that you use for feature flags or is it any open source there's so many of them out there yeah we, we actually when when uh, when i started uh, started to work with together i i had this discussion with uh, my cto very early on and the same day <laughs> I saw that someone was putting such a product in beta. Uh, so we contacted him and we, we basically <laughs> was, the, we were the first uh, beta testers of, of the, of his product. It's called unrevealed and it works very well. 
So that's very smart of you, you know, to think about feature flags as a as a mechanism to manage access yeah, to feature pricing plan. Yeah, because I've I've been through so many like back office refactorings or stuff like that. I know that it's a hidden cost. That's that's never very. You never want to pay this debt. You never want to manage such a product. And uh, in the long run, it's uh, it's yeah, it's it's awful. So having like this feature flagging option and a tool to do it basically cost us close to nothing. And uh, and yeah, to do it this early on the product roadmap is a uh, is a key. Yeah, I think that's very, very smart of it. Maybe as part of the show notes, we can add a link to the tool that you're talking about. Uh, and yeah, to the listeners, uh, that's a, that's a, you know, you heard it first here. Um, pricing plans can be managed through feature flags and learning it from the people who have done it. Uh, Robin uh, and, and his CTO team, you know, thank you for, for that. Uh, I know we are out of time. One last question to you. How does one reach out to you? Uh, Basically through LinkedIn, I, I tend to write a lot of, of French posts <laughs> about product, but uh, but uh, feel free to to reach out to me. Um, and yeah, maybe I'll, I start working in English, well, <laughs> writing in English as well. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, mostly LinkedIn, and I'm I'm usually uh, replying very fast. Yeah. Well, thank you, Robin. Thank you so much for your time. It's a pleasure. And to all the listeners, if you enjoyed today's discussion, please do consider leaving your feedback. Uh, the podcast will appear on, on the platform of your choice, uh, be it YouTube, Spotify, and various other podcast catchers. Uh, stay tuned for more insights, more guests, and more demos. Until next time, keep thriving.